Carol Baskins. Killed her, husband whacked him. Can't convince me that it didn't happen. Fed him to tigers, they snacking. Carol Baskins. That was your lead in. Hey, you gotta see that naked unicorn over there. Ow, I'm so naked. Welcome to the Naked Unicorn Podcast, hosted by Jason Sorotin. Welcome, everybody, to uh, another splendid ECG podcast today. We have a, uh, a sterling cast of ECG's finest cat aficionados. Mine is probably the, the largest cat aficionado, probably have something to say. But uh, I'm Colin Ingram. I'm here with Jordan Allen, Cameron Shaw, Kelsey Cherney, which is weird because at first I had to pause because I keep remembering that you got married only months <laughs> only months ago. And Emily Payton, uh, how are you guys doing today? Good. Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm doing perfect. We're all uh, social distancing, living in the world of the COVID-19 uh, self-isolation. And as another part of living in this uh, current time, we have uh, all experienced the, the, the joys and terrors of Netflix's smash hit Tiger King. And um, as workers in the production industry, as people, creators of all kinds of content, I think that we have a, a, a differing and unique perspective uh, on this and a lot pertaining to kind of what goes into that kind of production and how the, you know, the, the making of a documentary can maybe affect the truth. And we wanted to talk a little bit and Cameron can get into a little more of our, our goal here today, but uh, we wanted to speak on the pretty much the, the, the responsibility of the filmmakers to be truthful and, but also the, you know, sort of act of artistic expression while doing that and how that plays into uh, the you know message on the whole, and with all the crazy stuff in Tiger King, there's there's plenty to talk about. So, Cameron, you'll give us some more, uh, just a, a more detailed description of our goals here today. Yeah. So, uh, one of the big things that I think is super fascinating about Tiger King is that there's this story that has a lot to do with conservation and uh, sort of animal abuse. Uh, but on the other hand, people have become really fascinated with it just from an entertainment perspective. Um, so what I wanted to drill down into is kind of, you know, what did people take away from Tiger King? Not just us, but sort of the public. And what did the filmmakers do to tell their story uh, that, you know, either took focus away from, you know, the the act of conservation versus like just telling what a really good story and what is their responsibility to, uh, you know, put forward a message versus just entertaining people. Um, I think is a really interesting question with Tiger King. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I wanted to parse out. And we're going to talk about kind of the, what the, the narrative flow of Tiger King is and how it plays into um, the, the perceptions that people have of the characters um, and also just some of the responsibilities that uh, the makers of that show and we as, as filmmakers have to uh, be truthful as well as entertaining and what that balance is uh, and how we can make that uh, make that differentiation. I, I think a good place to, to start would be to talk about the fact that um, sort of the narrative that they weave, because I think that's where they're most effective. I think it's one of the reasons why it's so 
it's so popular is I, I think that like from start to finish, it's, it's impossible to stop watching. Um, they, the story itself, I think is obviously the most important thing of like the fact of like, regardless of whatever sort of, you know, conclusions we come to or, or any sort of ideas we have about how they've distorted the truth, not even distorted, but how they've through their artistic expression, the creation of the documentary have bended the truth or sort of put things stronger to the audience. The story stuff, like the stuff that is undeniably happened, like the facts of what has ha- happened here is incredibly interesting. And in just in terms of presenting that narrative, I think that Tiger King doesn't like a fantastic job of slowly meeting out details of of this thing that you know a google search could have spoiled this but they did such a good job presenting it totally i thought that they did a really good job with kind of posing this question of like who's the villain i guess Mm -hmm. in this situation because i mean they're obviously uh joe exotic made some dumb choices by threatening someone's life on camera um so multiple there is times. a yeah multiple like, times like with a gun for years like <laughs> like like a, like a balloon with her face on it and said yeah that's carol baskins and then shot it like with a real gun so yeah like that is not the best thing to do when you're trying to be a public figure um but they kind of to your point of how like how crazy the narrative is i think there was a point where Joe Exotic really did have a love for animals and maybe wanted Mm. to do something and have some sort of conservation efforts be behind what he was trying to do. But uh, addiction will take over a person completely and destroy their morals and destroy what they their thought process on making decisions. Um, And he was addicted, got into the world of meth and as well as probably most of those people that work there Um, and fame, dude. I think I think fame is one of the worst drugs. He saw how popular he was getting, how much attention he was getting, or at least like his park was getting. And so he turned himself into the uh, the main attraction there, I guess. And because of that, he lost sight of these of these animals. And you can. You can see that at the end, towards the end, when he talks about his chimpanzees and he says that he had them separated um, for 10 years. And then when he sold them to a zoo, they started to embrace each other and they were just hugging each other. And he realized that he you can see it. It's sincere that he he deprived them of that because he was blinded. So there's this whole like who is the victim, who is the 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 bad person here, because it's it's a little layered. There's a lot of little layers for all of the characters. Like I'm not saying Carol Baskins is innocent in any of this either, but you know, I get why she was scared for her life. And I think, I think you definitely hit on a good point there that like the, the documentary does a good job of, you know, presenting everyone like, and this might be a, a, a criticism you can levy at it to where it kind of initially people might be presented, you know, in a positive light. And then over time, they sort of corrupt that with facts and, you know, some conjecture, but um, pretty much everyone goes through that, that switch, you know, characters, people that appear that you're like, Oh, well, this guy was just, you know, there, or he's just a worker. You realize like, yeah, they're complicit in their own way. And like, I, I think that the, the, the slow burning of that um, was effective. Like that, that I think is something that is kind of the main crux of why we're here today is that, like where's that line between your sort of 
the story that you want to tell and the story as it actually happened. Um, and that like, what is your responsibility to the truth as a documentary, as a documentarian? Um, I think the moment you pointed out is like, it was tragic to hear mm -hmm. Joe at the end of it be like, have this moment of clarity that I'm sure he had years before, but was not really able to articulate of like, I have captured these animals for selfish gain and just kind of like, if it was cause I love them and I see them when they're released embracing each other, mm -hmm. like, was it, was it worth it? And I, I, I like that. I mean, granted that there's such a large span of time here that like that moment we, 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 we get to kind of see him at the end of his rope. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of this, like in a really interesting way ties into um, like how, how the show portrays Joe as like, I mean, that hearing you guys describe it as like a tragic figure almost mm -hmm. like, I mean, it, it's, it's almost like Shakespearean in a yeah. way, you know, we see in, in a very classic tragedy sense where we see him up front in prison at the end, knowing that he did this terrible thing. And then like this, this progression of events that led him to that point, um, which I think is like really interesting and, and makes a lot of sense narratively, but also uh, does frame him as essentially as the, as the protagonist of the story, as someone right. to, to potentially root for um, when he did some really horrible things. When I think that it, it definitely had as a negative effect that like they have created such a sensational character here that people are sort of in our, our, completely meme driven you know society people are are lifting him up in this sort of weird way that a lot of internet celebrities get lifted mm -hmm. up for you know things that they should be you know socially outcast or ridiculed for like it's a common trend on the internet to like to inject power into those kind of characters um and i think people have done that i mean because he is like that you you joe has he is a charmer and he has a personality and you want to you know, align with him, but he's also like a terrible person. And is the documentary, are the documentarians to be held accountable for people sort of idolizing this like monster? But I think that's something that the documentarians did okay. Like, I, I love that we're talking about this because I actually do think that they, they did it really well. The, the argument and the, the final statement showing through the characters and showing through how they depicted everybody. They weren't siding with Joe. They were showing everything that he was doing. And if anything, they were showing how, I mean, they, they talked about how he hired supposedly, allegedly, but I 100% believe that he gave that guy two grand to go kill someone and, you know, fell for the fact that, yeah, an assassination yeah. cost two grand. Um, I, and and there's video evidence of him threatening someone's life. I don't I think the problem is is that Carol Baskins as I was just singing in the very beginning became an instant meme and someone that you were like, "Oh no, she killed her husband. Oh no, she definitely did that. Right. Oh yeah, that 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 woman over there." And so I I don't think the documentarians did a bad job, but that is an even broader question. It's like how is your expression? How's your art, your documentary, whatever you're going to put out there? going to be interpreted by the mainstream and then regurgitated through memes, through clips, through Joe Rogan's interviews, you know, like how is that going to ripple? You know, I think that 
if we're, to, if we're focusing on the narrative here, I think one of the reasons why it, it resonates so much is you think about some of the biggest shows of the last, you know, the last 10 years, 15 years, like we've mm. very much been living in an era of anti-heroes, right? And that is totally. essentially what Joe Exotic is, right? You know, he's the next in the long lines of your uh, Tony Sopranos, your Walter White's, uh, your uh, Don Draper's. You know, he is someone who, you know, at first you can't help but fall in love with. And then over time, through the slow unraveling of what was really going on at his zoo, you realize, oh, he was doing some pretty fucked up stuff, both, you know, to the animals and yeah. to the people that were there. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he is such a charmer. You know, there is something about him just watching him. Like, you can't help but, you know, on one hand, it's kind of baffling to see him. But on the other hand, like, you can't help but uh, kind of root for this, like, really enthusiastic guy. Right. Um, but yeah. it's that that weird disconnect that I think makes him such a compelling character. Now, you know what the overall documentary, what the implications of the overall documentary is something I'm interested to talk about a little bit later. But narratively, I think that one of the reasons why it resonates so much is it, it's something that we've already as viewers been so fascinated with for a while now. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, I think that that's one of the reasons why it's stuck so, so strongly. And, and one of the reasons why, why I think this documentary is is so is so different is because they they essentially have five plus years of like nonstop yeah. footage, and we like we saw a lot, and it was crazy to feel like we just had this unfettered access. But you see a lot of articles now, and like it's something that, that I think about of like they there's still so much more that we haven't seen. That you know may be boring or may like uh, like people talked about how Netflix cut out a lot of like Joe Exotic's alleged a lot of his like racism racist comments and things he said like as part of the character and there's th that plays into that what we we're talking about of is it does it hurt the effectiveness of the message uh, that the documentary claims to have about tigers to maybe like not give a complete picture of Joe Exotic because that picture is not palatable to an audience. If aspects of Joe Exotic's character are unpalatable to Netflix's audience, are there those things that were cut out or left out like in order to support the marketability of the documentary over the truth within? Like, was that I, the I, reasoning to cut out that part for marketing? I don't know. I, I, that, that's the question I'm asking. Mm. It's like, is there like, you know, because it, it plays into the central question that Cameron was asking of like, what is the, the, the responsibility to truth? Because I think there's another part of this that is the expression. It's the art. Right. It's like you want to put out a documentary with a statement that you have in your head, um, which we can talk about later. I'm very, I'm very also excited, Jordan, to talk about that. But um, like you have this idea of how it's going to look. There's all these other areas to it like there isn't anything right but like you have to pick and choose what you're going to highlight otherwise you're just throwing i mean right. it'd just be stuff it's right exactly and you can kind of get out of who he is as a person and like it doesn't shock me that there are some racist comments that he said at some point you know what mm. i mean like you can kind of understand it, it's a pick and choose kind of battle and i think that is probably the hardest part when you're trying to portray a message but i, I if you have a, a certain thing to say staying along those lines is like it's, it's very hard to do without veering off to all these other things i, I didn't know that about the racist comments but it just seems so crazy to me given you know joe exotics like 
very openly gay personality, right. like to be kind of so closed minded about something when, you know, he's facing a lot of these uphill battles in rural Oklahoma just seems that just seems really wild to me. I'm kind of sad that they if, if that does exist, I'd be interested to know like what the nature of it was. Yeah, personally, it would add, I think. Yeah, I, I remember reading that. Yeah, they, they cut it out. Um, yeah, pretty significantly. Yeah, I read that, too. I mean, it, it is interesting because like you don't know. You, we don't know what we don't know. Right. It's right. like, it, exactly. We, they have, you know, all this footage from five years of stuff and like, you know, they, they were, they intentionally made seven episodes. Like they, they were like, we're going to tell this story. And they knew based off like interviews that Joe, uh, that Eric good has given, like that they wanted it to land somewhere in the, you know, uh, I think it, he said like four to six, they ended up going to seven because there's data to suggest that like that length, is optimal for audiences that like that's what they'll stick with so like there's so much stuff that potentially got cut that we don't know Mm -hmm. and it's like it's interesting to like hear sort of about what his intent was what his interests are as a filmmaker and then like how much that shaped what we what we saw because he very much is trying to strike a balance between entertainment and and this totally because there were there were some reality tv tropes that i think elevate the the documentary as a whole Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. like you know not i mean i'm not saying that they were staging events and stuff but like some of the interviews you know a lot of the things were were felt like guided and were you know, highlighting certain things or like, well, look at Joe. Yeah. They talk about Joe doing that all the time. So if for Joe, yeah. TV, totally. so like it feels pretty natural, a pretty natural extension for yep. him to do that anyways. But look, I have a question because this is something I've thought about a lot, you know, after watching the whole series, you know, from the back, is there, are there, is there any, or are there any characters that ultimately are likable or redeemable? This is kind of a cop out because her name's also Kelsey, but I felt like Kelsey's really the only character at the end that you're like, you just kind of seem like a victim of the whole thing. Like, hey, it was a job and I got mauled by a tiger and yeah. but I'm, I'm still here. And then went back to work. <laughs> yeah, His name is because uh, Kelsey was a transgender man uh, who went by in Saf. The, uh, they, Saf, right? Safi? Yeah. Saf? Is she trans or is he transgender? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing that the documentary has been criticized for was not accurately, which is not something that I feel like is anywhere for our place to get into. But like, I agree with Kelsey 100%. I loved him yeah. more than like, cause I had this weird affinity for a lot of the characters that by the end of it, where um, like characters that initially was like, Oh man, this is like some methed out guy. Like what the hell? Like by the end of it, like I, I felt like a lot of like sympathy for them, but I was still like, hey, they're, they're just kind of in a terrible situation. A lot of these are like, you know, people who are out of their luck, but Saf felt like Saf felt like I love the moment. And it was kind of dark at the same time where he gets his arm bit off and then is like immediately back at work. And I know that part of that is like, part of it's like, Whoa, that's cool. Like good for you for being resilient. But the other part of that is like any stink that he made was going to get that place. And don't you think that Joe had something to do with it? Like I could totally see Joe being like, Oh, Saf, we need you to come back. It's going to make us look bad if you don't. Right. Yep. Like there's almost no way he didn't get involved. Totally. I, I, and I, and I, and I bet, and I, we don't know that if Saf was living in one of those terrible trailers and we had, cause I was thinking with a lot of these is like, we're, I'm going off on a, on a huge tangent, but but I'll try to not go too far. (laughs) But each of these different people who own the tigers, 
all had some sort of means to keep people working essentially for free. Doc Antle was his cult of, you know, oh, you know women that he would basically control their whole lives. Carol Baskins is, is the, the good feeling of volunteers. And Joe Exotic is taking like ex-cons and people who have nowhere to go mm-hmm. and maybe giving them meth and a place to live yeah. and food when they don't have much else. And it's like how much of that was also Saf being trapped and not having anywhere else to go. Cause that was what it was a big thing for a lot of them. You saw their living conditions. I do. I do love the, the campaign manager as well. I feel like he got mm. caught up in this like very entertaining, exciting thing. He was like, I want to be a campaign yep. manager. It's my dream job. Like, yeah, it's for this guy, but it's a way for me to like try it, I guess, and yep. get into this. Yeah. And then like, I mean, he witnessed the kid shoot himself and like he, I, I think he says at the very end. I have mad problems about that scene, by the way. Sorry to interrupt, but. Um, I, I, I do, do too, well. yeah. I, I think- um, but yeah, like he, he like at the very end, he was like, I'll probably never see Joe Exotic again. I'll probably never like know what happens. But like that, this is the, that I went through that. I saw all that. Like I, I enjoyed totally. him. I thought he just kind of got a lot caught of up in it. Got like caught I don't up in it. Yeah. A little, I mean, wh- whether they were kind of trapped there by addiction yeah. or whether they were like, this seems fun. Let's go along for the ride. And then whoops, now I'm entangled in this whole thing. It it did seem like the willing participant was Joe. And then he had his whole entourage that was just kind of there for the ride. But I don't know. Uh, to, to piggyback off what you know, really all of you guys were saying, but Colin got to initially was like, I think that the one person that like I really, really connected with at the end that I felt was like, I actually really liked still was uh, John Ranky, oh, yeah. the, uh, the, yeah. double, the double amputee. Yes. Um, just like, I don't know. I don't know. He just seemed like, you know, he really cared for Joe. You could tell. And like, I don't know, like everyone else seemed to have like some like weird element about them uh, that like kind of, I don't know, just turned me off a little bit, but something about his story at the end of it, I like really felt for. Uh, and like, I still, I came away yeah. still really liking him. He was probably like one of the, the, the better people in all of it. I'm sure he's complicit in some of the shit that went down. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, I thought that he was probably the, the most redeemed, if you will, character that I was up. Jordan brought up a good point that I think we uh, we could talk about because I think there's a, a fair amount that's good there of, you know, there are moments of the documentary in a whole like that using that footage, uh, that, that like security camera footage of his campaign manager, who I can't remember, like witnessing Travis Maldonado shoot himself. And like, I, I, I'm a big supporter of like, of footage like that. It is a startling you know, it is a exhibition in truth. It is like, you know, it's, it's crazy that that footage exists and it's crazy that we see it. And it does, you know, it makes the moment dramatic, but in my opinion, I hate showing footage of people dying or accidents happening before that shock factor. And I, 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 I didn't like that moment. It, it was, it was effective. Like it, it, it definitely affected me, but it also, I, it, it, it plays into stuff that I think is kind of cheap and is not something that, you know, ethically is okay. Like, of course, show people dying, show the, the true gravity of your events, but not in your half reality show tiger documentary. Like, I, I think it was over the line. And I wanted to ask, was there any other moment or, or what do you think of that? Or is there any other moment that you think was like? I actually thought that that was faked for, for a minute. And then I realized, like, oh, no, that was real. Oh, it, it was, mm-hmm. I agree with you, Colin. I think it was one of those moments that it was effective, but it did feel, I don't know. I do definitely have very strong opinions about whether or not you show someone's last moments on camera. I'm sure they had 
permission from his family, but we right. all saw the mom and it seemed like half the time she didn't know where she was. She was not part of the whole, whole meth thing. So I, I that was a pay. I don't know. It feels, it feels yeah, very meth, wrong meth to me that they included that. Her. But also I feel like they, they knew that the audience mm. would feel cheated if all of a sudden he was just dead and they didn't get to see what happened. I mean, to me that, that, footage didn't uh upset i mean it was shocking certainly but like it didn't upset me the same way because like it wasn't like that was the reveal because they said what happens and then they're like we have this footage of and he's you know and then and then you see him reacting to it you know we don't see you know shots of travis maldonado with his you know like blood everywhere or anything like that you know we see we see the campaign manager's reaction which is a really stunning moment. I, I don't know. It, it Because of, like, if that had been like, if they were like, and then something terrible happened, right. and then that shot, like, that, that would have been way worse to me than what they did, which was like, yeah, he, he accidentally shot himself. And then they, you know, go to the, I, I see. Yeah, Cameron. I see, where, I, I, I see where you're coming from, but I would argue that it's still an issue of, of tone where like a lot of what the documentary is wanting us to do is to like, have fun with this character of Joe exotic yeah. and how kooky crazy this event is. And then like the reality of like, we have footage of a man watching another man die is still too, it's too, it's too much for me personally. Like it, it's one of the things like, I don't think they crossed a line, but they definitely came close to it. And as a taste thing, I was like, Ooh, I don't it's a that. preference thing. I understand that. I don't think that they painted Joe exotic as this guy to have fun with. I think they painted him as no. kind of like someone like a not much not like a con artist per se like there are con artists throughout this but as someone who was gullible enough to fall for that and get wrapped up in this mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say they glorify him per se i think maybe people like have glorified with the whole him. down with carol baskins thing joke that has people have glorified him but i don't think they did that right. and i think cameron they definitely set the cameron, stage you said it like it's the way that you present that information because that is real to to just like be like oh he died and then he shot himself would almost be a disservice to i think to like like his husband and like the impact that that moment had. I mean, he witnessed it happen inside of the, like the main Mm -hmm. office. It's such an impactful thing that happened to that story as a whole that no, they didn't. And then something happened and then you see the reaction and they went with the shock value. They didn't lead with that. They said he, when he killed himself and then this happened and I saw it and then like literally like maybe like 10 seconds later, they showed that clip of just the reaction. It's the way that you present that realness that allows it to be documentary because it's real life and it is not like hidden. See, I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with that. Cause I think that I think like they talk about Travis for a good hour use footage of Travis for a good hour or more before really? it's yeah. like, obviously he's not there. So you can put two and two together, but his suicide is not brought up yeah. until it is for dramatic. But no, but they say they don't they, say they that, lead into it. They, they lead into it. They don't just like do the saying, shock they value. lead into it in a segment that is about his death. They don't say that yeah. he had a, they, a husband. They, do, who's not with yeah, us they intentionally leave it as a mystery up until, that for yeah, which is, they, which is I because I'd argue I do agree with you that they don't do it as a like haha surprise he's dead but they definitely hit you with his suicide and then show it to you because to it's him, a it's a shocking that, jarring thing I, I totally I agree but I'm saying that like to me it put a bad taste in my mouth when 
the rest of the th- time I'm going, whoa, holy shit, this is crazy. And then like a man dies and it's supposed to. Oh, it's, that's it's the tone the roller coaster, game. though, that happens through plot, though. Yeah. No, I, yeah, it, it, I'm saying it was effective, but it, it left a bad taste in my mouth. I want to go back to something, I want to go back to something that Emily said, because I, I think we've kind of hit this point, but um, about like Joe Exotic being a con artist. Because I, he, I don't he, know if he's the con artist. He very much was. He stole money oh, and well, to people, yeah. To like a bunch of people. He, he, he signed Jeff Lowe's name for That's like true. years. Yeah, he, stole, he stole money from his parents. He stole he stole money from mm-hmm. everybody and lied about it yeah. consistently. Like he he was very, very much a con artist. But, well, and I think just not the best so one. I think, yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I mean, it's a show full of con artists. Mm-hmm. But I his the fact that like the way he is because I, I would argue that he's like the protagonist of you know he's like no. jordan said he's an anti-hero and then you have these other right. characters like carol baskins like jeff lowe who people i mean potentially rightfully so you know carol baskins we can talk about how people have reacted to her and whether or not that's fair I, probably not um yeah that's what I'm but um you know, and, and Jeff Lowe, who is, I mean, whatever you think about Jeff Lowe, um, are very are very much positioned as obstacles for the protagonist mm-hmm. achieving his goals. And better I think con artists as audi- as audiences, we are trained to see the person who is positioned as the antagonist and immediately dislike them because totally. because we're like we're with Joe. Joe is our is our hero this person getting in the way is the bad guy. And so that, that framing of it informs everything about how we see the show, which I think is really interesting. Right. And I think that's where we can jump to next. I think could be uh, an effective place to talk about is that, you know, Netflix is basically, you know, they've done it before. It happened with making a murderer where part of the appeal is the, is the discussion surrounding the document, the documentaries where with making a murder, the question you'll see people, if you're asking someone who's seen making a murder, they're always like, did he do it? You know, I, I, I haven't seen making a murder. Um, what? I can't remember. The, I can't remember his name. I don't, I just, it, it, that, it was because of this. It just kind of, I don't, I don't know the whole like Netflix asking Stephen the world the Avery. question, did he do did it? Stephen Avery, Stephen Avery kill it? Yeah, where it, it was the same thing with Carol Baskin, where like Carol Baskin has been tried in the public court, uh, you know, because of this Netflix documentary. Like she's probably receiving hate mail, and her public life will forever be changed. And like she, sure, she submitted to it, but she doesn't have the power of the edit. She doesn't have the power to, you know, how they pick and choose what she says. Granted, I would say that as a like just an opinion of mine as a personal assessment of Carol Baskins, uh, yeah. she's creepy. Something is definitely up. She smiles the too much. show. The show enhanced and informed mm-hmm. that opinion. The show through its cuts and its presentation story and their telling of the story, their interviews of people, they all I have is what they gave me and any research that I decide to do on my own. You know, Carol doesn't get didn't really get it get to sit there and be like here are the 10 reasons why i definitely did not kill my husband like she really she did she didn't get enough time to be like no this didn't happen and the show definitely wants you to think that she did 
the show the sh- the show puts out the idea that like you know we're not gonna it's like what the lawyer says exactly like I'm not gonna say it because I'm this isn't a court but something kooky went on there. Oh yeah, I would absolutely say that the way that it's second or third episode, the one that just focuses solely on her and her former husband, I would definitely say that it it seems much more slanted towards. Hey, this lady's shady as fuck. She probably did it. We don't know where he is. We haven't heard from him. I think, you know, I think she probably did it, but none <laughs> yeah. of us can say it because we can't we can't know for certain. You know what I thought was really funny about their whole argument as to why she did it? I definitely think she did it, but I think that the argument was flawed because they were like, we found his car. He said he was leaving. He said he was getting on a plane. So we like, found yeah. his car at the airport. <laughs> That's weird. I was like, I don't understand why that is the weirdest part of this whole investigation. But yeah, like yeah. I don't it's weird because they did the show once it's it's funny to think that Carol Baskins mm. killed her husband and fed them fed him to right. tigers. Well, okay, yeah, because it, it there's power it gives power to Joe to be like, yo, Joe was right. He was wrong in how he handled it, yeah. but Joe was right. Well, and they they depict her being kind of like like her her the the place where she lives is kind or the the reserve is kind of a dump, but the they really don't show us a great view of it. They don't like go mm-hmm. into her as much. So I, I do get now how like they've depicted her in a bad light a little bit more. Well, cause also the, the documentary very easily could have been like shown her cages and then just said the words multiple times in by different interviews that like, this is what the tigers want. And the public will just be like, yeah, that's what the tigers want. Well, exactly. And I think that's the, <laughs> is if you can get the public to believe that Carol Baskin killed her husband then they're going to immediately side with joe exotic because not only does it seem like well she's a murderer and the word that in people's mind they probably say well the worst thing joe exotic did is he planned a murder but it didn't happen so automatically carol baskins is now the bad guy so right i i mean honestly i would say i i think whether she literally fed him to the tigers i do think she absolutely had something to do with his disappearance um Mm. but i i I would absolutely say that the filmmaker's part to try to make it seem completely unbiased very much starts to to waver for that particular episode just because it very much seemed to side with Joe. Yeah, I was gonna say I think one of the most damning things that they throw against Carol or like that like really sits it over the edge for me was the way that they interviewed her ex husband's um, you know ex wife and Family. her kids and like you know not only did she potentially you know kill her husband which is kind of unproven but like there's very proven facts that like she basically fucked them out of all of their mm. rightful money yep. so you know the the film certainly and you know. On one hand, yes, the film does it in a way to kind of manipulate us into like it's certainly forcing us or directing us towards disliking Carol. But at the same time, you know, as the nature of yeah. the documentary, like it's also presenting the facts, right? Like this is yeah. that she that she totally. that she actually very clearly did. So you know, I think that she has lots of problems, and her and her husband's whole like current husband's whole relationship is just very. I, just, I don't know what it is. Just very strange. Yeah. Uh, and he seems like a nice enough guy, albeit like very like like if Lurch grew if Lurch met you know uh, the uh, Leave It to Beaver. That's kind of how uh, I envision her husband. Uh, but and like quietly, yeah. Like I, I don't know what it is, but like 
Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, there's something weird about her, but I do think it is kind of unfair to present it like yeah. she definitely yeah. killed her husband, even though I do think she killed her husband, if I'm being honest. Yeah, exactly. Well, that that can bring us to a, a, a very top-down concept that I think is kind of an overarching uh, sort of thing to apply to our discussion is, do you think that a documentary filmmaker – like what is their responsibility to the truth? Not a version of an entertaining version of the truth, but is there some sort of standard that they can be held to? And like, where does that line fluctuate between artistic expression and entertainment value toward, or the cold, hard truth? I I think that that's a very fascinating question. And you can, I think you can argue both ways, but I think that's something that's so interesting about this show in particular, uh, and I think Cameron alluded to it earlier, is that you know, they were basically filming for five years. And when they mm-hmm. went into it, I'm quite sure they didn't know that all of this shit was going to happen. So oh, I think that yeah. becomes that. I think that's an interesting thing to keep in mind. It's like they obviously knew that this was an interesting enough topic, or else they wouldn't have filmed it. But I think that maybe like their idea of what it was going to be evolved over time. Like I think that maybe it initially was basically meant to be a extrapolation of what uh, the on-site producer was trying to do, like make it into re- a reality right. show. And then they realized over time, oh shit, there's a lot more going on here. There's literally a section where um, they're interviewing Jeff and mm-hmm. he's getting the calls from the FBI agent and the you can hear the producer, the, the filmmaker, like, yo, we're trying to record him, but he keeps getting like calls from FBI agents. Like this is, we need to get the cameras. Like, let's go, let's go. Like, it, you see it evolve, which I think is part of the fun to it. Yeah. There's a call into your question. I don't like it's that expression versus like being truthful. And that is a weird right. line for anyone who's creating something, but especially in documentary, because a lot of times you have a thought, an idea, uh, a theory that you're trying to um, propose with the documentary. It's never really just truth or fact. There is some, there's always a little bit of motive from mm-hmm. it. And that line, I don't know, like if regulation is really what needs to be done, but more of just ethics. Yeah. Like as a filmmaker, you should have ethics, yeah. you know? I think, uh, I think, I mean, it, it's a, it is a really interesting question because I think like Jordan's right. Like the, the fact that things evolved so much over time, like, I don't think that they necessarily had an agenda like certainly when this thing started their their thing wasn't like this lady carol baskins like fuck her totally. like that was not their intent at all they wanted to make a, a documentary about like the big cat industry in the united states and then it turned into this this whole thing you know but i think like in terms of the the ethical responsibilities that like filmmakers have like you know, you, you need it, you, uh, you, you want it to be truthful, but like at the same time, like people need to watch it, you know, like it's, it's like you, you, you achieve nothing if you make something that's like informative and, and truthful, if nobody's interested in looking at it. So, and that's very, totally. like, I mean, I think that's why, and, and Erica's talked about it a little bit, but like, you know, we get into the characters so much with this because they knew that these characters were going to be the thing that were going to make people want to keep watching the show. And so we find out more and more about these storylines because the issue in it, in and of itself is, is sort of a microcosm. So it's all about trying to strike that balance. One of the main things though, I think with the documentary that they're trying to do is that thing that they 
they propose at the very end. It's where they say, yeah, so hundreds of thousands of dollars have gone into all of these lawyers and all of these, uh, yep. you know, case cases that like have gone nowhere, essentially gone around in circles. No one's gotten in trouble. Like, I mean, Joe got, in, Joe got arrested for sure, but, but that was for like all the video evidence of him threatening her life. Yep. But like at the end of the day, they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars just like basically shooting blanks at each other. And the documentary raises the question of all of that money, like all these people are doing it, even Carol Baskins, you know, for the, the sake of the tigers. But all of that money is going to that instead of going into yeah. the natural habitats that these tigers are living in. And one of the one yep. of the employees, one of Joe's employees, I can't remember who, he actually says like, yeah, like and they don't have the tigers don't have their natural habitats anyway. So like it's not a bad idea that we're yep. buying them and keeping them here. And at first when I was watching that, I was like, oh, that's a good point. I guess like, yeah, if you're if the if the rainforest or the, all these places where the tigers live are being depleted, I get that. And then at the very end, they threw it at me with like he could have spent all that money actually helping yeah. the tigers in their natural habitat. Yeah, it was a great point to for them to like land on at the end. Also, great editing in that mm. part too, because they totally like drop out, and then like the music stops, and then you hear him say, "Nobody wins, yeah. nobody won," and then they come back. I, I remember I think, that moment. I think too. Cam really nailed it with like the the there's the the line where like you because it, it was like the conclusion that I think I came to where like you have a responsibility to be truthful, not to tell the entirety of the truth, but you have a responsibility to you know, largely present things as they happened and then, you know, put an emotional spin on them and make it entertaining. Cause I, I think Cameron was totally right that like whatever message this documentary has, if nobody watches it and no one remembers it and no one connects with the people and events, then the message is lost anyway. Like it, it, the audience needs to not only be like stunned, but they need to care See, I, I don't really like that at the end, they kind of, I, I understand what they were trying to do, but kind of tacking on the whole conservation thing at the very end almost felt like an afterthought, like, totally. oh, fuck, we were supposed to do something like that, weren't we? <laughs> oh. That's yeah. what it felt like a little bit to me, and I didn't necessarily like that. <laughs> I, I do like that they showed very bad sides of of Joe and Carol, so you get everyone kind of decide, who's your hero? Might be nobody. For me, it's nobody. I don't think, yeah. I mean, I agree with, uh, staff thought at the end nobody wins it does kind of feel like it does feel that the who they chose to interview the questions that they asked was slanted slightly in favor of joe but by no means was joe a hero by the end of it either right. and i i like that they that they let you make that decision but i do think ethically that there are some things they could have done a lot better to make it seem not entirely that uh they were really trying to push for carol baskins being this horrible murderer Kelsey, can I counter argument you real yes, quick? Yes, you can. Because um, I, 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 the whole tacking on the end, like I hate when they, you know, explain the plot and dialogue mm. at the end kind of thing. Um, could it be for effect for the edit? Like where they're like, oh, you're so caught up in all this glory and glitz and glam of the Tiger King. Who's the Tiger King? But you didn't pay attention uh, either to the fact that all of this yeah. doesn't matter at the end. I, I, That's good. I was going to say, so... I was going to say, yeah, so that I'm, I was really glad that Kelsey brought that up because that was my initial reaction when I watched it as well. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, like you're just like, it felt very tacked on, like you said. Totally. And the more I've thought about it, like it almost feels like a reflection of the overall story, right? Where it's like, you know, 
uh, like it's tacked on at the end because these two kind of main factions that you've been following, the Joe camp and the Carol camp, like they might, they may have started off, you know, wanting to help preserve uh, mm-hmm. these big cats, like you see in the first episode, but ultimately they get so caught up in their own petty arguments and back and forth squabbles that that gets literally mm-hmm. lost both in the narrative of the documentary and within the, like, like what actually happened with them. Yeah. And so the documentary reflects that. I, I definitely that agree with, with, all of that. The th- the thing that still frustrates me about that, though, is that, yes, you got it. And I absolutely agree now that you've explained it that way. But did everyone else get that? Or is everyone else going to watch it and be like, I mean, that's fair. That That's what I'm worried about is that th- that it being thrown at the end to people. I don't want to make us sound like we're just more intelligent than everyone else. But, you know, people that <laughs> are used to analyzing, you know, the endings of things and what do they mean by that, that. It might be something that some people pick up on, but a lot of people, the average viewer is going to be like, well, that was weird. Um, okay. That, I don't, no, I don't really care about I, any of these people. I think this, this to sort of an interesting question about like the form mm. of it, mm-hmm. because like it is, it is long. Totally. Like it's seven episodes. They're all, they're all an hour long. So like in that last episode taken sort of on its own, I, I think there, there is a good chunk of it that's devoted to, you know, that, that message of like, nobody won. The tigers definitely didn't win. Like this situation is fucked. Like, but is that given how long we've spent on so many other issues, are, are people even still paying attention at that point? Are they so hung up on the other details? You know, the Carol Baskin details, the Jeff Lowe details, like all this stuff that it's lost. So that like, when you, when you have something that that's, that's that long, you know, 20 minutes to wrap things up at the end of a two hour documentary might feel like enough, but is it enough when your documentary is seven hours? Cam, I think though, like that in itself is like, we've spent all this time on all this bullshit. We've spent all this time watching them argue and not get anything done when we could have just finished it and fixed it with this 20 minutes of, t- con- of talking I do like, about how I do we like can the idea of, of that it. segment being an indictment of the audience at the same time. Of like, yeah, 100%. You got caught up in the wave too, man. Like, yeah, I, I think yeah. that's a really good, a really good way to read it. Also, I just I think that like the question is, it's not so much that I'm that I disagree with you. I just want, right. I just wonder, like, given given the reactions that people have had, yeah. is mm-hmm. it is it a totally? Given the memes, I don't think people got it. I think people thought, wow, these people are really eccentric. This is funny. Mm-hmm. Definitely Carol Baskin killed her husband. That's what it seems like people are taking mm-hmm. away from it. And uh, I will say, I actually went on Carol uh, Baskin's website after watching it. And I mean, it's genuinely seems like she she does care about these cats. She really wants, she really wants this law to be passed. And so I know people can form their own opinions, but I do wonder if a lot of people just got caught up in the spectacle of it and that whole ending was completely lost on them so to your point kelsey i think that you know i I agree i do think that like a lot of people more just got caught up in the sensationalism of of it all and maybe they didn't you know maybe they they weren't able to read into the ending and its implications like we were so i think that you're kind of spot on there uh my i guess like what i'm interested in thinking about like is it would it have been better for the docu- for the documentarian to like literally like force it down our throats to like really like very obliquely call out like hey like you know you guys are 
you know, would it, would it have been better for them to call out some of the things that we've, that we've said, like basically like, Hey, like you guys got caught up in this mm-hmm. sensationalism too, to like drive home the point, or is it better to make him leave it more nuanced? I would argue the latter, but I mean, I can see the, the like ethical okay. reasons perhaps why the former would, yeah. would be no, better. I wouldn't want it to shut down my throat either. I just yeah. think like, was it enough? I agree with the whole more nuanced approach. I think that would be a better way to do it. But just saying like at throwing it in at the end, while yes, it could have been a criticism of the audience. I, I wonder how many people got it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really the, the, the crux of it is like good storytelling, which I I would argue that this is like that. it's, Mm -hmm. It's more subtle. It's more nuanced versus like, really hammering home and beating people over the head with your message, which I mean, as, as any, you know, creative is like, don't do that. It's annoying. Like it's, it, you know, it's, it's bad storytelling, you know, but it's like, was it the right thing to do? I, you know, I don't, I don't know. For an example of this, go check out our other podcast on the platform. <laughs> hey, don't give the, the platform doesn't need a platform, right? It's, <laughs> you're emboldening its its horrible uh, views on i think i think what uh cameron your point leads us into a a, a good discussion we could have on uh, i wanted to just a brief talk on the form itself uh i think that i think that there's a lot to talk about uh just in terms of the seven part docuseries you know, the benefits and, and, you know, pitfalls of that, uh, I think is something that I'd love to hear y'all's opinions on. I personally, um, I thought it was, I thought it was really well parsed out. I thought that they did a good Mm -hmm. job of, you could isolate, uh, either like periods of time or characters and really kind of give them a complete arc. So when they connect to a new part of the story, because there was, it is such a weird, crazy, intricate web of interactions and events. I thought that, going piece by piece and, you know, maybe hearing about Doc Antel and then in one episode spending 20, 25 minutes solely on him so that we can reference back later. And you know, this guy, because you spent time with him and the people surrounding him. Do you, do you think that the form was effective or do you think that the I I really do. I, I think like giving everything the time that it had was, was really important to telling the story. Well, uh, especially like, I, I don't think, you get the full picture of how messed up, not just Joe's situation, right. but the industry is if you don't take that time mm-hmm. to like, you know, talk to Doc Antle's wife, girlfriend, whoever, who left. And I think that was one of the things that was super impressive about the series yeah. to me was like, you know, we're not just going to have, you know, Carol talk about something or like, you know, someone talk about John uh, Lewis going missing. We're going to go and talk to like, John Lewis's handyman and his lawyer and his other friend and like all these people, like they really went and like sought out people in these, in other people, totally. other act parts of the story that I think, I think really helped flesh it out and like gave you a much better perspective on it. So, I mean, and obviously like we were riveted the whole time. So exactly. it certainly wasn't too long. It's a world that like I knew of private zoos. Mm-hmm. I knew that there were industry like there was a, an industry where you could purchase a tiger and like that getting your picture with baby tigers was a thing that you could do, but I I was not aware of how big 
that world was and what all how culty it was yeah. and how people kind of get like the like cam you brought up the girl um like one of his ex-wives she was like i was young and they did yoga i don't know it sounded cool like she just kind of got caught up in almost like a manson-esque type cult mm. in a sense um and i just had no idea that that world was like that and so by having multiple episodes you're able to focus more on that i will say there were a couple times where i was like where are we in the timeline totally. right now like mm. but for the most part i think they handled it really well yep i think i think do giving it much less time would have done a great disservice to it because there was so much that had to be unpacked i'm hearing now that they're they're wanting to do a movie of it Shoot. and i i think you you could do an okay movie of it, but there's so Starring much Joe there. Exotic. No, I know. There's so much there that I I don't know how you'd be able to cover all of that. Mm. So yeah, I would agree that it you need to have it be an episodic thing for it to unpack everything, to give characters time to develop them, give stuff time to breathe, especially when there's just crazy stuff being thrown at you all the time, to be able to to react to it and kind of let it, that settle before you move on to the next crazy thing that happens. I would agree. And I, I think that one thing that doing it in this format, parsing it out, uh, achieves, and I think one, they kind of had to because they had so much oh, fucking yeah. footage, right? Like there's like, like I think that it would have been such a Herculean task to like trim that down to like a single, like even like two and a half hour documentary. It would have been, I don't know how they would have done it. So, I think parsing so it much. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's so much to that argument too, that like, I feel like they would have, they had to show you every side of it, all the good, the bad, you know? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, though it's, though it's very much weighted towards the negative for a lot of these people, especially Carol Baskins, like in the first, in the early episodes, at least they paint, you know, everyone in a pretty yeah. positive light. Like, it's like, kind of just like getting like a behind the scenes of what it's like to run a zoo, which, you know, it, it, at, at least at first seems pretty you know, pretty rose tinted and seems like it's just kind of like how Emily described, you know, the, uh, Joe's, or excuse me, uh, Doc Andal's ex-wife. She's like, Oh, it seems cool. It seems fun. So it's kind of feels like that. And it's only after we get deeper and deeper that you get a little bit darker, but it, doing it this way allows you to see yeah. the whole picture from everybody's side. And you, do, and you do get like, you know, the kind of opening of Rick Kirkman yes. being like, you know, we had no idea how crazy this was going to get. I'm glad you brought him up. Such Which, a I'm producer. glad you brought him up. My last, my last question that I think we're going to talk about is just about Rick Kirkman because, like, you know, we work in production. We can relate to Rick Kirkman and because we worked, uh, we work with people that remind me of Rick Kirkman in good and bad ways. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm not going to name names. I don't think it's we should name names, but there are people that we've worked with that like that personality of like old school TV. I, I, I. I, he is the 100 percent depiction of that on-screen producer yes. like the hat the all black yep. the like like you said kelsey the sparking up the cigarette in the very beginning like that every time he popped up i was like first of all that frame was great for his interview yeah, shot. yeah, no, yeah. It was really, um, it was really good. i wonder if he had any notes on it like if he yeah. helped frame it oh, 100%. but yeah like that old school produce that old hollywood producer like he to me felt like a con artist yeah, as well, well that's what i wanted to ask about was like first of all just obviously just a pure reactionary what y'all thought of him but also like what where, where does his role fit in on that line of you know obviously just our conjecture on did you feel like his motivation was more about the truth or more about having the show which i feel like is a leading question because it's pretty obvious that like personally 
I think that he, in, if I was ranking the despicability of the people involved, uh, he actually gets pretty high up there because I feel like he didn't even. It wasn't. Really? It was like any like any accusations you can levy at the documentary for being like exploitative and abuse, you know, just abusing this story. Rick Kirkman took on years before and then participated in through the entirety of it. And just like thought he could just be a bystander. But also to me, he is also a lost soul that got wrapped up in it just like everybody else. Cause he lived there for years. Yeah, I think I think like that that's that's exactly the thing, but like he I think he, he went there with the intention of with like no no like whatever whatever discussions we've been having about like the morality mm-hmm. and the social responsibility of, of documentary filmmakers, like he went there with, with none right. of that. No. Yeah, like I'm gonna tell the this salacious story yep. about this crazy zookeeper. And then Because again it was it he wasn't looking at it from a documentary standpoint. Reality he was looking TV. at it from reality, reality. TV, which I think there's well, a If you look at the That's time frame, uh, it was, what, five years ago? So it'd be like right yeah. in the boom of a lot of that, where like a show yeah. like that would have sold well. Yeah. and but, but Had he, it but not he, all burned down. Had Rick, Kirk, had Rick Kirkman not burned it all down, but whatever. No, right. <laughs> which, which I think, yeah, I mean, you know, you can dispute the – whatever i mean it's like it feels kind of icky but mm. you know people do it it's it's right. a perfectly acceptable sort of thing to do and then he did i think he did get totally caught up in it where he where he gets like kind of slimy to me is like you hear him talk about it later and the way that he is very actively framing his role in the story as like i was a victim i got caught up in yep. the narrative of joe Exotic. like he was a hundred percent not just promoting like himself, but he's he's promoting the show to promote himself. Mm-hmm. He's like he loves the documentary. Yeah, like he and he's one of the few people who really does. Yep. It told it told the whole story, like everything about this. You know, I was I was completely enamored of of Joe Exotic, and now I live in Norway with my hot Scandinavian. Well, and wife. he also <laughs> post. I've seen the most public out like reaching out from him i saw uh mm-hmm. i saw like a video that he put out himself the one that i showed you camera where he ends with being like if you want to know the real story it's hashtag uh like rick tiger rick was what it was it's like tiger hashtag rick, yeah. like he's like promoting himself actively because that yeah. is it was his personality think, yeah he's he is very much now attempting to monetize right. the situation like you know it's 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 who he yeah, is. It's, it's who he presented himself to be is like someone who's just going to profit as any you know any way he can by producing things that are you know salacious and interesting. Well, which people. is which is also interesting. It, 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 it's a weird. It's another one of the serendipitous sort of uh, events of the documentary that kind of make it too good to be true. Is that like he puts up a different like a counter to the documentary while participating in it in a way that like he mm-hmm. was there for the reality TV aspect. And where he might have failed, the the documentary ended up succeeding and being able to tell this story. But uh, oh, he, I forgot he was also on. He he did a David Spade interview uh, on David Spade's like like late night podcast uh, thing. So that's just a weird confluence of events that Rick Kirkman hanging out with uh, Cusco. Yeah. <laughs> but for we're, we're, I figure we we talked a lot. We've been talking for a while. I wanted to give us yeah, yeah. A, an amount of time at the end here for just I just want to hear your hot takes and your like totally 
like no evidence bullshit. I just want to, I want, I want unhinged hot takes. Uh, I mean, this is not a hot take, but it's just how I feel and something I want to talk about. Um, Doc Antle is probably the most criminal out of everyone. The show hints at it, and I would totally believe, and it's just what I want to believe, is that like he is the center of an international trading ring. I like I think, and they they showed a little bit of it, but they didn't get they talked to it. I would love to investigate him further. Like I think he needs to be so thoroughly destroyed and wiped off the face of the planet for just. I don't think he's just involved in tigers either. Oh. I think that ring extends to other animals and if women. You told me he was, if you I, told me he was a human trafficker, I'd be like, that's horrible. <laughs> I fucking knew it. <laughs> Dude, his whole mentality, he was like, I don't know why everyone's like this. Like, they should just be like me. Mm-hmm. I was like, Ugh, God. I, I forgot about the whole tiger conservation stuff at one point just because of how disgusting <laughs> he was. Like, I just forgot what I was like, what is this? Yeah. Oh, this is awful. I, I agree totally about Doc Antle, but I still think one of the things I want to bring up was I think that, and I don't know why, out of all the shit that we that's in the documentary, one of the like most skeevy moments for me is like towards the end where uh, uh, Jeff Lowe's wife is pregnant. He's talking about getting a nanny, and he's like, and he's like, yo, I got to choose her though, and he's just like looking at the documentary. And he's like, mm. her and, like, face, yeah. There. Oh my, we're gonna so get you back in the gym. Gym. They make it well. They make it. Yes. they're swingers, but like. At one point when she's pregnant, she, he's like, yeah, she's going to have this baby. We're going to get her back in the gym. It's going to be great. And, and she just kind of smiles. Oh, she's like, <laughs> I'd say, oh, you are scumbag. Doc Antel, like, Doc Antel is the most criminal and evil, but Jeff Lowe is the most massive scumbag. Like, because he's like, because like he, it's all petty. It's all like the, I saw, yeah. so he did a Reddit AMA, uh, two days ago that I like scrolled through and it was so yeah. great. God, I, I wish I saved it. If see if I can remember the top comment was, um, Oh, have you been contacted by Oakley to, uh, to stop being a, like, to, or to stop being a spokesman for them. And there was one that was like, you look like a senior, you look like a senior citizen, uh, uh just making fun of the way he dresses. Like, he looks like a 50 year old. You see it like Daytona yeah, Bike yeah, Week it, or something yes. like that. She is that. Jeans, he is Oakley that rag, Just the worst. I think, I think somebody, somebody on the podcast that I listened to described him as a human can of Axe body spray. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that. That was what the, the comment was. Was uh, it was similar to that? It was like you're you're a senior citizen. Why do you dress like uh, an anthropomorphized monster energy can? Yeah. <laughs> which is which is but, you know, he is he is like he's the he's he's awful. But he's also like like the takeaway when I saw it was like he's a pretty smart oh, yeah. dude. But like, like, like he's a piece of yeah. shit. But he's like he's pretty smart. Like he was able to speak to things pretty reasonably. And like when he first comes on the scene, I remember. You know, I think it's part of the editing, but like I remember being like, "This guy like seems mm-hmm. to kind of have his shit together." I mean, he looks like a piece of shit, but mm-hmm. I mean, he, he doesn't—he doesn't seem like an idiot by any. At I, any point. I did. Yeah, I did love when yeah. he tried to like alpha male his way into a mediated phone call, as if he was going to be like, "You're not going to do this. I'm so big and strong," and they were immediately like. We have to stop this phone call if you're here, sir. Like, you cannot be here. <laughs> oh, you're so big and strong. And it's like, you can't do this. Like, um, I, I also, um, I, I think it's weird that, like, he is smart. And I think that he is going to try and will probably see some marginal success of, like, 
keeping the that zoo profitable because I imagine it's it's pulling people in. He said in his AM. What about his new zoo? That's what I'm saying. It's on the same property. Like oh. it's all the same property that he he just built that new zoo, right? Is it the same mm. property? No, I they, thought it was they, different. They it is different. Right. Yeah, they built a new zoo in like the the Oklahoma Texas right. border because all the all their guests come from Texas because Oklahoma's apparently not wealthy enough for that <laughs> for, stuff. For like. That's what they say. That's why I'm agreeing with you. It's, it's gross that they're like, oh, yeah, they don't have the like hundreds of dollars to hold this tiger cub, which reminds me of a, of a, a moment that I hate. And it, it made me cringe so hard. It was like all the people were sitting in the tiger cage and they're literally just like one of the dudes has a camera and then the other one has a tiger cub. And they literally just like thrust it next to somebody's face. And he snaps a picture and he moves on to the next person. And they put the tiger cub next to their face. And they snap the picture and they move on. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, man, that's so gross. Like that's I hated the part that um like they threw in like Shaq came through mm-hmm. and he was like, Yeah, I love Joe Exotic. I got another tiger. Yeah, Shaq, and it's Shaq's like- tiger. Jeff Lowe has one of Shaq's tigers. That's ridiculous because the fact that I can't afford a laptop, but I can afford a baby tiger mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Like, Too it great. should not happen that Speaking way. Speaking of affording a baby tiger, uh, when um, some news personality was talking to uh, Donald Trump Jr. and they asked him about his, like, they asked him about what he thought of Tiger King. And the one thing that he would not stop talking about is how he he didn't know that he could buy a tiger for $2,000. And how he, he's like, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I, I could, he, it was like a joke, but you could tell it's like, yeah. Donnie, you're probably really into this, dude. And this is like, <laughs> dude has no tact whatsoever. It's just such a stooge. Okay, one thing that I don't think was really ever explained, and I don't know if you guys know more about this than I do, Joe Exotic is not singing in his music video. No. Right? Oh, yes, that no. was one thing. No. <laughs> <laughs> when he's in the car singing along, he's horrible. Mm. Come on, wait a second. This cannot yeah, it's, a, it's a songwriting duo from Washington State. And they are credited in the show with the songs, but yeah, he, he totally. There were he totally so wait, so wait, he lip sings over these songs that are already written uh-huh. and recorded by someone else. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking. I didn't realize that. He gave them notes on like themes, and they wrote the songs and recorded oh. them, and like sent it to him, and had no idea that he was like Milli Vanillying like their whole. There were oh. there were multiple occasions after watching it where I'd be like washing the dishes and then just under my breath just be like I saw a tiger, a tiger saw a man, and I'm like hell yeah, I saw a tiger. Oh I saw God. a tiger is such a great name for an album. Uh, those music videos were something else. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The like, the, so. I forgot all about the music, dude. That's the hilarious. Carol Baskin lookalike is like eerily accurate. Eerily, yeah. yes. I actually thought it was her at first. I think Colin was like, "No, yeah, that, yeah, was that was a lookalike," look-alike. and I was they, like, "No." Another. Are they friends now? Like, how do you? Another funny moment that is kind of tangential to our whole conversation is the moment whenever Joe is giving his his campaign pitch in the the tiger cage and the tiger attacks his foot when he like says that they yeah. he's like nobody helped me no one helped me and they cut away to these like film school students holding cameras as if they were gonna like charge the tiger cage and like beat the tiger off but that leads into a not so funny and like a real horrifying moment where he is shooting the ground next to the tiger yeah. to scare it off and i was like that was one of i thought was a real good crystallization of like yo this is dark like you know as much fun as there is to have with it like this is a terrible situation 
this is a random ethics question, but one of the things that they got him on was the fact that he euthanized some of his tigers. Mm-hmm. Um, did, they, did they prove that? I didn't remember that. They the they found the bones on his and property. They, uh, and and they, his, uh, his employees corroborated like, the story. They said that they, they explicitly right. did it on his orders. So if you have tigers that are sick or like you have – like I, I don't know how it's handled legally for zoos. Like I don't know if there's a whole process for that. But they like – they they were like, he shot his tigers. And then I think they went to one of the employees or maybe even Joe and they were like, I've got a sick cat. Like what am I supposed to do? Let him suffer or like – you know, like there's that ethical question of him euthanizing the tigers that I, I thought was kind of uh, a dart from nowhere. Yeah. It, it depends on, I guess, for me, I would say it depends on how it's done. If he's just shooting them in the head, there's a chance it might not kill them. And then that would just be cruel because, you know, people people take their animals to the vets when they're suffering to put them down. So if mm-hmm. he was doing it in that way, I would say if they were sick and they were suffering, okay. But yeah. the fact that there was question, there was questionable doubt that he might have just been there, like, oh, they're suffering, them. let me shoot him. That's where it gets a little more yeah, fun. My, my impression was that it was like an upkeep thing. Like, he just, like, didn't have the space yeah, for them. They weren't, oh, that they were not a monetary source for him because they were – And that's why he didn't report them or, like, take them in. Like, because yeah. the argument could be but, that euthanization is expensive. I but- argue that yeah. – They're so much more profitable. And then they age out of that group. And then you have like way too many, you know, right. mugs, more cubs than you need tigers. So you keep a certain amount of tigers and the rest of them are just a drain on your resources. Totally. So. Well, that's, I think, where you truly see how far he's fallen from actually really mm-hmm. caring about these animals to the point where he's just like, hey, they're money. Yeah. If that is true and that's what he's yeah, doing. He even has that, that, that like, moment where he's holding the two yeah. cubs and he's like, this is money right here. Like. Or where he's feeding them like the expired meat. Well, that from the was dumpster what I was going to say about that. Is like he can't, he he cannot have a vet come to euthanize his tigers because they will immediately be like, none of what you're doing is proper care for these animals. Like you know, like mm-hmm. feeding them expired meat. Where I'm sure the meat is, you know, technically fine. fine. It is not what a tiger eats. Like you know, a tiger does not eat cuts of bologna? chicken and bologna and stuff. Well, not only did he feed the the the, the tigers that that's what he basically employees. was like, hey guys, here's your yep. food for the week. Yeah, like with disgusting. his employees, which is like arguably worse. I don't know. It, it, it's pretty bad in both cases, yeah. but like they didn't have just, to eat it. Oh well, yeah, they just wouldn't eat anything. No, they, they would just die. Like, that was their that was their food. That was what well, they ate. Like they said it. They said it in the documentary that like that was like. And that leads into another. Did you get them so messed up they don't care? They're right. like, oh. Another really this. dark moment when. Like the, the you know the at the zoo was part pretty run down and they're like talking about how the the Walmart trucks were getting smaller and he has like fourteen tigers in a pre feeding pen and then doesn't have the food to give them and they're like oh let him mm. out and he's like there's fourteen tigers in there I have two buckets of food it's like those tigers would rip each other's shreds like they were they were yeah. underfed like and you're gonna you're gonna put handlers in those cages when the tigers haven't been fed properly like it it's it, it, it's such a crazy horrible situation. <laughs> And then the 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 opposite of that with Doc Antle, I think it's one of his introduction shots. He comes out with that like huge elephant. obese, yeah, like it was just we'll this crazy fat. You don't know if that elephant was lion. Obese. No, 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 the oh, lion the, the, when he no, had the, 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 the white the, lion, yeah, the liger, yeah, the liger, yeah. It was like this huge. I was like, wow, you're feeding it too much, kind of thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's crazy. Well, everything with Doc Antle is excess. Well, I, I, I think ponytail. I think we've we've said we've said a lot. We had we had fun. Yeah. We 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 agreed. We disagreed. Uh, granted, I 
I, I'm curious to see Netflix has a tendency to like, you know, when they hit on something good, just drill it into the dirt. So, Oh, well they already have. Did you see they released a new episode? There's another the episode. episode. The after show. It's actually really interesting. Yeah. Uh, not watch the after show i haven't watched it yet it is possibly like poses one of the most like upsetting things that the filmmakers did if if it's true which i have no reason to believe it's not has to do with john finley that we haven't touched on oh yeah Uh, real quick that dude according to him for at least the majority of the documentary or like the entire documentary was not on meth and they let it be very much a thing that like he was he was like this crazy drug addled mm. hillbilly which i think like i mean he says i'm still affected by right. it but like he's not on meth he was super upset because he got a bunch of dental work done so his teeth are like yeah. perfect now they look great yes. and they never showed any of them it's like they want to portray him this particular way and he was like well thanks guys i mean if i had known that was how it was going to be i would have done something different but yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. at the same time, like I mean, he chose to sit there with his shirt off. Like, I don't really know what he expected. So, so did I, I mean, I don't want to say they told him to do that, but they might have told him, like, hey, be comfortable, do whatever you want. They might have tried to frame it in a certain way to try to get that aspect of him. Like, hey, please, we're, tr- we're trying to encourage you to be comfortable and just act very naturally, which might he, have- He said in the after show, like, like they, Joel McHale asks him, like, why, why were you shirtless? And he's just like, I got all these tattoos. Got to show them off. Oh, I get that. I mean, you want to show those off, but it, it did not play well for what he was yeah. trying to present himself as. Speaking of tattoos, the replacement tattoo he gets to cover up like property of Joe is so fucking yeah. bad. Like, <laughs> he doesn't even cover the whole tattoo. He says like it, it looks much better now because it wasn't done at the right. time. Well, people. Yeah, they did him. They, like, they did him. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure we could follow this rabbit hole for an, another hour or so. There's a lot to talk yeah. about. But thank you guys for taking some quarantine time on on your Friday to to gush about Tiger King. I'd love to do this again when when something comes up. I'm sure we'll have ample free time. Uh, I'm really excited to make you guys. Uh, you know, like watch like two seasons of naruto and then have to come to me with some really deep critical analysis uh for an anime that i hate so that'll be fun can't wait that will, i'll see you guys next week <laughs> uh, but yeah this is a lot of fun uh we again uh we're i'm calling Ingram with ecg uh here with jordan allen cameron shaw kelsey Cherney, and emily payton that is going to be it for us guys uh, I don't know where you're listening to this. I'm, it's up on on everywhere where podcasts are formed. But I know we would definitely appreciate you hitting up, uh, you know, ECG on Instagram. Uh, reviews on iTunes I'm, are always appreciated. Getting this out there. Uh, I don't have a Patreon to send you to because we are a business. So you can go to ecgprod.com. Uh, we are. We're chugging along through through quarantine. I don't get to see the people I love every day. I see you guys a lot. Uh, shout out out to uh sebastian chamaka also oh yes yeah he's been he's been silently watching over us uh from afar he's been snaps for sebi thanks a lot guys thanks for hanging out i'll see you guys uh, at our digital happy hour later deuces ow i'm so naked (laughs) 